Well, hey, everybody. Thanks for being here today. And thanks again to those of you who are hosting watch parties this weekend. We just continue to hear good things about uh, how people are inviting their neighbors over. And, and I'm just so encouraged by that. So, so thank you for your continued dedication to that. I think it's, it's going really well. As we continue in our Freed to Be series today by exploring what Paul means by the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, today we've come to patience. Now, I will admit to you it's kind of even hard for me to say that without laughing because I know that patience is not on the top of the list of adjectives that people use when they describe me. It makes me think of a time several years ago we lived out on about 30 acres of land in rural Iowa, all surrounded by farms. And we'd never lived out in the country before. And so this is why we thought, well, this will be fun. This will be a good idea. Uh, let's try it. Well, I can say this, learned a lot. Learned maybe more specifically a lot about patience. And now if you know a farmer, then you already know a patient person because farmers are some of the most patient people that you will ever encounter. I mean, think about it. We can go to the grocery store and we can buy food off the shelf immediately without a single thought about what went in to getting it there. But when you consider the time that it takes to prepare and cultivate the soil and plant the seed and care for and nurture the plants and then finally harvesting the crop. The entire thing is an exercise in patience, isn't it? Well, when a city slicker like me moves to the country, farmers just know, they know that entertainment is about to come their way. I could almost feel it when I would talk to them. And I remember one day I asked uh, one of my farmer neighbors about how to go about removing a tree stump. And he thought about it and he said, well, one way you could do it, would, you, could be, uh, you could get a big tractor tire rim and put that over the top of the stump and then pack it all around with, with charcoal and just let it smolder all day. And by the end of the day, the whole stump will have turned to ash. Well, now this sounded like one of the best ideas I've ever heard in my life. I could not wait to try it. Uh, matter of fact, my neighbor uh, even gave me an old tractor tire rim for this project. And so that glorious day came and I put the, the rim over the stump and I packed the charcoal all around and lit it. And I stood proudly by and I watched this being quite impressed with myself. But you know who wasn't impressed? My friend who was visiting us from Chicago. He took one look at this whole operation for maybe all of about one minute and said, Bob, this is going to take forever. We're going to be out here screwing around with this all day long and not having any fun. So why don't we just throw some sticks in there and get this whole thing over with faster? Do you have any moments in your life where you wish you could just go back and make a different decision? I thought, well, throwing sticks in the fire was certainly not part of the plan I got from the farmer. But then again, you know, who's got time for this? We got stuff to do. So we started throwing sticks in the fire. And the flame started rising. And the smoke was smoking. And the next thing I heard 
was my friend who was standing on the other side of the, the tire rim. He said, uh, uh, we got a problem over here. And I went around to the other side and I looked and the entire section of grass by that had started on fire. And within maybe 15 seconds, that fire area was bigger than we could possibly stomp out. Right on cue, here comes the wind. And so began one of the windiest periods of time in Marion County history. This is not a joke. No water, no blankets, no plan, and no hope. Here's a photo of how it turned out at the end. By the way, the stump was still there. I got to know the firefighters pretty well that day, and they just kept asking questions like, I know they didn't want to just come right out and say, how can you be this stupid? But I know that's what they were really asking. And as the fire trucks were leaving our property, I looked and off in the distance, I could see my neighbor standing out by his front porch, giving me a big thumbs up sign while he's doubled over with laughter. And here's a photo of my friend and I, after having to stay up all night, clearing out all the dead brush and making sure that the fire didn't start up again. The mess that we made took way longer to deal with than the time that we would have spent just following the farmer's plan. Now, how many times do we do something like this in terms of our relationship with God? We want to follow our plan, not his. Because let's face it, sometimes his plan seems to take a long time. We just grow tired of waiting and we end up just kind of taking matters into our own hands. Now, maybe it's just me or have you also done this? Have you ever been trying to make a big decision in your life or you're, you're facing a big challenge or a big struggle in your life and you pray and pray and, and, and God just doesn't seem to be pulling through the way that you want and when you want? James chapter 5 helps us uh, see this a little clearer. If you look at this starting in verse 7, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. And so I think what we can say from a biblical perspective is that patience is trusting that God is in control and that his timing is is perfect. Patience is trusting that God is in control and that his timing is perfect. God's timing is perfect. Perfect down to the nanosecond. And that's true even when we don't like it or it, even when it doesn't happen when we want it. And, and it's true even when things don't work out the way that we're hoping for or the way that we wish. And so I'm not for a moment, trying to pretend that, that this is easy. Especially right now, in the world that we live in now, that's more culturally impatient than at any other time in human history. Think about it. Everything is now, now, now. I remember my grandparents' generation. I don't experience that from them. But now, for us, everything is now, now, now. From, from Instacart to Instagram, we want instant gratification. But in contrast, one of the key characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit that Paul talks about is patience. 
Before we dive in a little deeper into all this, let me just take a moment and pray for us. Lord, would you come by the power of your mighty Holy Spirit and would you teach us your words and fill us with your spirit so that we might bear your fruit. We thank you, Lord, that you don't leave us to do this on our own, but instead you have promised to come and be with us. So we ask you to do that right now. Reveal truth to us in a new way that changes us forever from the inside out. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, throughout this series, we've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit that Paul lists off in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, uh, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the first week, if you remember, we talked about love and how love essentially encompasses all of these other dimensions. The rest are more like characteristics or, or expressions of the character of Jesus that is lived out in and through us. And, and last week then, Pastor Mike talked about joy and how true joy, biblical joy, is the outcome that we have from a relationship with Jesus. And, and how it's true even when our circumstances are not ideal. And so this week, again, we're talking about patience and how patience is trusting that God is in control and that his timing is perfect. But again, I want to make sure that we are grounded in what we said at the very beginning of this series. Because Paul is not giving us a, a list or a prescription of like how to uh, have good manners. It, it's not a list of virtues that we strive for using our willpower. But again, it's, it's a description of how the Spirit of God works in and through us to mold us and to shape us into expressing the character of Jesus. Not just for our benefit, but for the benefit of others. And so we've said each week that in order for this to happen, the only way it can happen, can't happen any other way, is we have to know the word of God and be filled with the spirit of God. And it's only then that we can bear the fruit of God. And so another great way I think that we can conceptualize this idea of spiritual fruitfulness is found in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, take just a second here. Listen to this, Luke chapter 6, starting in verse ooh, 43. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man or a good person brings good things out of the good stored up in their heart. An evil person brings evil things out of the evil that is stored up in their heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And so, in other words, what I want us to get out of that is that it's the tree that determines the fruit, not the other way around. The tree is what makes the fruit good or bad. And what 
what makes the tree good or bad? Well, the last verse, verse 45 said, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. I think that gives us a big clue. What is your heart full of? Because when our hearts are filled with the Spirit of God, then we bear the fruit of the Spirit. And when our hearts are full of something else, then we will bear some other kind of fruit. A good tree bears good fruit. And God alone is who makes the tree good. When we turn this upside down, which is very, very easy to do, we then end up running around, exhausting ourselves, trying to staple our own efforts onto the tree and hope that it's just somehow good enough, uh, that, it, that it looks close enough to the real deal that no one can tell the difference. And honestly, when you think about it, we can probably fool a lot of people when we do this, at, at least for a while anyway, we can get away with it. We can present an outward image of ourselves for, for all the world to appreciate and applaud and, and just hope that no one looks close enough to see the deeper truth. Social media makes this easier than ever, doesn't it? We can just hop on Facebook or Instagram and, and we can present any image we want to create of ourselves that we want the world to believe about us. But even when we fake out our friends, and sometimes even ourselves when we do this really well, there is one who inspects things more deeply and cannot be fooled. In the Gospel of Mark, there's, there's another story about this same kind of thing, about this, this tree and the fruit of the tree. It's in Mark uh, chapter 11, starting at verse 12. Listen, listen to this. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, this is the disciples and Jesus, they're on their way to Jerusalem. Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples Heard him say it. So here we kind of get a picture of what Jesus thinks of our efforts to fake fruit in our lives. Because when he saw that the tree had leaves on it, what that meant was that this tree was an early bloomer. This tree was ahead of schedule. This tree was, so to speak, really doing well. And from a distance, it was looking really good. Even though the season for figs hadn't fully come yet, this tree had the appearance, the outward appearance, that it had already started producing fruit. As it proudly stood there, I'm sure Jesus' mouth is watering when he gets up there. But when he started looking at it more closely and more deeply, it was all leaf and no fruit. No figs. So he cursed the tree and moved on. Cursed the tree. Now, now this is, I don't know about you, but this to me is really unexpected. It should get our attention immediately because it doesn't really sound like the, you know, the child welcoming, compassionate, caring, patient Jesus, does it? 
But I think it does show us what God thinks of our efforts when we try to pass ourselves off as something that we aren't. When we try to fake spiritual fruit, in other words, we try to, to come up with these behavior management programs, and we trust in our own willpower and our own efforts rather than letting the fruit be produced in us and through us, through our relationship with Jesus. Just like joy, patience is another outcome of our relationship with Jesus. When we stay connected to Jesus, then one of the characteristics that people will find in us is patience. The relational connection to Jesus is what actually delivers the goods. And again, patience is trusting that God is in control and that his timing is perfect. But that, at least to me, can often seem so overwhelming. Can it? Which, which is why we tend to do things like we, we tend to oversimplify things and reduce all of this down to easier bite-sized things that we can or think we can control. So, so we kind of, with patience, we can oversimplify it down to something like waiting in line, for example. We often think, well, if I can wait in line or I can wait in, in slow traffic, for example, without totally losing it, then we're being patient. Isn't that what it is? We're being patient. And I'm not saying that this isn't at least a part of it, but it certainly isn't all of it. There's more to patience than, than just waiting in line. But simplifying it, here's the interesting part. We simplify it because it gives us more opportunities to pat ourselves on the back for a job well done. I find this to be true for me all the time. Anytime I successfully make it through a long line, I'm actually quite proud of myself, especially when that line is the drive-through line. You know what I'm talking about, right? There's, uh, there's a Starbucks that's pretty close to my house. And I've spent, a long, I've spent a long time waiting in line at the drive-thru. And sometimes it goes better than others. And, and now I want you to understand I'm not a horn honker because, of course, that would signal impatience. Wouldn't want to do that. But when I see people in front of me that are staring at their phone, you know, you know I mean, you know these people. They stare at their phone. Instead of moving with the line, it seems to drive me instantly crazy. I'm never closer to being a horn honker than I am in this line for some reason. And when you have these folks who just, they get up to the menu, you know what I'm talking about? And they just stare at the menu forever, like it's the Mona Lisa or something. And so I just wonder, what are you doing? I mean, I don't know if you're up there uh, waiting for the Lord, waiting to hear back like what you should order, but if that's the case, I'm not saying that's a bad idea, but, but here's a tip. How about you pray about what you're going to order before you get to the menu? Or, or bet, it's all online. You can find it online. But better yet, why don't you take some time at home with the Lord and get your order all figured out and then go to Starbucks? I'm just kidding. Sort of. Well, one day, <laughs> here I am in the line. The guy in front of me was particularly distracted. It was instantly infuriating to me. And, and, you know, this time it was the full package. Forever at the menu, you could park a semi-truck in the space between the front of his car and the car in front of him. You know, the, the whole process was just overwhelmingly slow. 
I admit I was so close to honking my horn. I had my hand on the button several times, but I wanted to be patient. So no horn honking, no matter how much I was tempted to do it. And when I finally made it to the window, the young woman asked me, how you doing? And of course, I drove up. I'm doing great. How are you doing? I said it as convincingly as possible. I was so proud of myself that she didn't seem to understand, at least externally, that I was having an internal temper tantrum. When I went to hand my money to her, she says, oh, you don't need to pay because the guy in front of you actually paid for you. And he wanted me to thank you for your patience because he was dealing with an emergency. <sighs> Gives me chills just even telling that story. Folks, the Lord is in control and works in mysterious ways, even in the drive through I was so convicted in that moment about this giant discrepancy, this chasm between my outward behavior and the actual condition of my heart. Matter of fact, I had, to, I had to pull over and take a time out and just ask the Lord to forgive me. It was very, very convicting. I had faked it well enough to fool the guy in front of me and well enough to fool the cashier, but I could not fool the Lord. He knew I was doing nothing more than trying to stape Staple, staple fake fruit onto the tree. And even worse, I did it so I could celebrate myself for doing it. Now, I don't know if any of this resonates with you. You have your own experiences, I'm sure. But I have a pretty good guess that many of us at many times in our lives have tried to fake it till you make it. It's this kind of strategy that we deploy at one point or another when we need to feel better about ourselves. And let's be honest, folks, it's completely exhausting. And so when you think of this, this leafy tree with this wonderful outward appearance that Jesus cursed for not producing fruit, I think it's wise for us to pause for just a moment in our lives and ask whether or not that might might be us sometimes too. Are we sometimes all leaf and no fruit? And if it's God's will for us that each of us would produce spiritual fruit in the form of things like patience, then what happens to us when we don't? What happens when Jesus takes a deeper look into our lives and into our hearts and finds only fake fruit? Or maybe no fruit at all. And so, again, we find another helpful uh, telling of this parable, this idea, this metaphor of the fig tree. And this, again, is, is in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, and this is in Luke 13, starting at verse 6. Uh, we hear another bit of this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? 
Cut it down? Yikes. Cut it down? The tree bears no fruit? Cut it down. The tree that has only fake fruit or pretends that it has fruit? Jesus cursed it. I think this is a sobering reality for us, isn't it? Because every time I know I read those verses, I feel like I have a lump in my throat. I feel like that right now. How could a God that we just got done saying is all about love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness be so harsh and unforgiving? Well, the story isn't over. In the parable, the man who takes care of the vineyard says this, Sir, leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. The tree was given more time to bear fruit. And that's good news, not just for the tree in this story, but for you and for me right here, right now. It's the patience of God that gives us the opportunity to repent of or to be turned away from all the ways that we try to fake it till we make it. God's patience is a divine gift that continues to invite us into a deeper relationship with him so that we will bear his fruit and leave behind all of our exhausting attempts to control everything and try to do it our way. You want to know what kind of a God we have? Well, he's a God clearly that's not afraid to get his hands dirty. He's like the patient farmer who prepares the soil and then patiently waits for the crop to appear. He says, don't cut it down yet. Don't do it yet. Let me dig around it, and, and, and I'll put the good stuff in the ground, and then I'll watch it bear fruit. Because remember, a good tree bears good fruit. That's a promise. God alone makes the tree good by planting his word in the soil around it, where it's then taken up by the roots and goes all the way through the branches where it finally bears good fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. So what I want us to understand about this kind of divine patience today, there's a lot of different ways we can talk about patience, but I want us to start by thinking this, God is patient with us. God is patient with us. And though he has every right to cut us down, he instead, because he is merciful, he invites us into his life. And then he patiently waits for his spirit to mold and shape us into being more like Jesus and to bear more and more of this spiritual fruit. When we trust him and when we, when we turn to him and when we recognize that it's only him that can do what we cannot do. It's only God that can do what is truly good. 
then that's when we can finally put down our cheap imitations and all our efforts and we can die to our old ways of thinking and the old ways we've done things because he gives us a brand new and fruitful life in his vineyard. So I don't know where you are today. Have you, have you been feeling exhausted and overwhelmed trying to put your best face on for the world and to subtly try to, to prove to everyone how good of a person you are? Well, today Jesus invites you right now, right in this moment, to give that burden over to him. Draw close to him and let him dig out all the bad soil in your life and replace it with the good stuff, his word. Let him fill you up with his spirit as he says to you, I forgive you. I forgive you for all the times you've tried to do it your way. Now come and follow me and you will bear much fruit. That is good news. The second thing about patience is that God is patient with others as well. It's important that we not forget this. God is patient with others because it's not all about me. It's not all about you. It's about us, collectively us, every person that God has created, all of us. So whether it's simply surviving the Starbucks line or dealing with complex struggles and challenges that we often have with one another, it's important that we remember where our roots are actually planted. Because when we are rooted in the word of God and we're filled with his spirit, then the fruit of patience is something that comes not from us minding our manners or managing our outward behavior, tricking everybody into thinking that we're patient. Doesn't, that's not it. It comes from the love that God has for us and for others as he continues to draw people into deeper and deeper relationship with himself. And in a world that is so unbelievably divided at this point, what if we agreed to spend more time searching the word of God instead of searching social media? What would change about the way that we interact even with one another? about how we think of other people. Would it make a difference? I think it would. What if instead of, of being quick to comment and offer our opinions, we instead sought God's wisdom? What if we prayed for the patience of God to be made so evident in us that we were able to listen and to talk with other people even when we don't agree or when we don't understand? What if we really, really, truly trusted that God really is in control and that his timing is perfect, even when we face uncertainty and struggle and challenge and circumstances that are not ideal? Would lost people in the world start to know us by the fruit of the Spirit? Well, yes, because that's exactly what God has promised. Because he's in control and his timing is perfect.
Thanks be to God. Lord, we just thank you for not letting us do this on our own, for reminding us today, even in this moment, that you are who makes the tree good. We are not good because of our behavior. We are good because you have made us good. And it's through our relationship with you and our connection to you that you continue to mold and shape us into who you want us to be. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for being patient with us. Lord, teach us the ways of your patience that we might not take that for granted, but instead allow your divine patience to flow through us so that we might be patient with others. We know that's only possible by you working in and through us. And for that, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.